and welcome to Subject ACT with me, Heather Murray. Subject ACT brings you stories from our local Canberra community and beyond, affairs with a global dimension. Tonight I'm bringing you an encore interview with Francis Crimmins, CEO of the YWCA Canberra. Francis talks about a survey titled Our Lives, Women in the ACT, a survey that covers a whole gamut of issues affecting women aged 18 right through to those in older age. But first, many of us are facing really tough times and great uncertainty in our lives. Dealing with whatever stuff life is throwing at us can be hard at the best of times, and COVID-19 is just adding an extra dollop on top. Living with high levels of anxiety, depression and fear means we need to take special care of ourselves and each other. Beyond Blue speaker Gary Mills joins me today to talk about his own experience of living with depression and the common ground we may find when we realise that we're not alone. This interview was recorded via Zoom, so please forgive the sound quality, which is a little low. Welcome, Gary. Hi, Heather. Great to be with you. Gary, you've um, personally experienced depression and the ripple effect it can have. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Um, yeah, I've, um, a few years ago, I, I was diagnosed with depression. So it, it, it's something I've lived with now for, for many years, but it didn't actually come to light until uh, probably 2012 was when I first went and saw someone about it. Um, but it was certainly something that had been, been around for a lot longer than that. And in fact, in 2007, I did a, did a little, um, there's a, an assessment you can do on the Beyond Blue website. And um, uh, I, I flagged myself as being pretty high, high likelihood of having depression, but I didn't actually do anything about it. Um, I just thought I'd keep going on living life. And it wasn't until five years later and until I pretty much hit rock bottom that uh, I went and got uh, medical professional medical help. And that, that certainly was the, the turning point for me to um, start on the track to recovery. But yeah, look, it, it's depression is a, can be a very debilitating uh, illness, uh, like a lot of illnesses. And um, you know, it's not always as obvious as a physical illness, but it's, it's just the same. It's, it's something that, that happens to you and you don't always ask for it, but uh, you've, you've just got to uh, reach out for help and, um, and, start on your recovery just like you would for any any sort of illness so my experience certainly not um you know it's unique to me but shares a lot of commonalities amongst a lot of other people that i've spoken to as well mm. and depression doesn't really discriminate does it no it doesn't um it, it can happen to anybody at any time in their life um my underst my understanding of I'm certainly not a doctor or anything like that. I, I'm a speaker for Beyond Blue because of my lived experience, but I've certainly lived it, learned a lot about it over the years of my own, uh, my own self-discovery of my own situation, but also uh, interacting and, and working with a lot of other people. And yeah, look, it, it can be environmental, it can be genetic, it can be uh, a one one big event, uh, or it can be a number, you know, just a just a period period uh, where you just things mount up over time and um, so look it, it could be a lot of different reasons but the most important thing is that to, to, to get help to 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 um, manage it uh, that's mm. that's that's the most important thing mm. tell us a little bit Gary about your working background and I understand you were uh, in the AFP a police officer and and a bodyguard at one point 
Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I was a police officer for 17 years. I started off in the Victoria Police back in the mid-90s and uh, spent a lot of time in the city of Melbourne. And, um, and then uh, I, I joined the AFP or the Federal Police in 2000 and, and stayed in Melbourne for about three years, I think it was, before I moved to Canberra, where I am now. And um, I was... The thing that brought me to Canberra was I was one of John Howard's bodyguards, so I came up here to sort of help out for a month, and that turned into a a, um, a, a trial run because I was interested, and, and yeah, I was lucky enough to get a spot on on the team, and I uh, ended up moving to Canberra permanently. So that that was a that was an amazing experience. Um, yeah, certainly, uh, it seems like a lifetime ago, and it probably almost is. We've had about I don't know about twenty prime ministers since then, haven't yes. we? <laughs> it feels right. like it. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, fascinating experience. And, uh, and I guess you know, one of the questions that I often get asked is, was there anything in my policing life that sort of impacted my mental health? And, and look, I, I, I like a, a lot of uh, emergency services and frontline workers. Um, you know, you see a lot of pretty, pretty nasty and ugly stuff uh, and the worst of humanity at times. And, um, but I, I really can't pinpoint any particular instance that uh, plays on my mind or um, impacted me, uh, the long-term impact on my mental health. I think if I look back to my, my younger years and even as a teenager, I, I definitely see it and my, my family sees that there were, there were signs but even as far back then. Sometimes I guess things can look a bit unmanageable and overwhelming when you're feeling like you're, you're not coping. Can you share some practical tips with us about how you got through and how you're coping now under COVID-19? Yeah, look, the things that have really stuck with me over the years, and I was even right into this before uh, I hit rock bottom, was, was physical exercise. And I think even more important, and this is why it's, it's a really powerful thing for anybody, is just moving. Um, I find that just getting up and, and walking around or just stepping outside and getting some fresh air or... Um, just moving from one room to another is can be enough to just get um, you're starting to engage other parts of the brain you're starting to engage other parts of your body and, and it can almost be enough of a circuit breaker just to just to turn it a touch or at least get a bit more awareness about what's going on but I, I think that self-awareness is the most powerful thing from my point of view and that's something I've really focused on is just understanding um, what's going on um, but routines, they're, pretty, they're really important, and particularly in COVID conditions. I mean, a lot of people have suddenly had to work from home. Um, I think it really is important to just slot some uh, routine into your day. So it's almost like you're ticking little wins off. Okay, I've done that, whether, whether that's washing or, um, you know, even just doing some push-ups or, or something, something active, uh, something that uses your brain. So you're actually ticking mm. things off as the day goes on. You've actually got a sense of purpose. I suppose there's also a lot of things on uh, that can be found on YouTube, like yoga, teach yourself yoga, or gentle exercises, uh, or even vigorous Zumba if that's what you're into. Mm. Oh, absolutely! And there's an there's an app on your smartphone for everything these days too, mm. Edda. And I, I there's an app I use on on my smartphone, which is a combination of um, stretching exercises and a bit of meditation as well. And I I, I find when I do that every morning. Uh, it's only about 20 minutes. It's 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 does wonders for my for setting my day up. Just that clarity of mind in the morning as well. It just sets me off to a good place. And yeah. um, if, 
can find something like that that your body can handle and you, you just have to start lightly, whether it's yoga or just even just listening to, to meditation. Uh, they're, they're, it's really powerful stuff and, and you can do it anywhere. Sometimes uh, I uh, suppose when people are feeling anxious or, or low in their self-confidence, low in themselves, it can be hard to know when to ask for help. How, how do people make that decision, make, take that first step? Yeah, look, uh, and that's that's a that's a really big, it, it can be a really big challenge, but but uh, but it's also one of the most powerful things you can do uh, for for this whole mental health, um, and just getting support is it to actually talk to somebody, just seek out resources, look for more information, and um, I think it's really important to understand is it doesn't matter how strong or strong-willed we think we are or how how we can bottle our emotions, which isn't healthy for us anyway, is um, we've all got our tipping point. And obviously some really strong-minded and physically strong people um, fall over. And yeah. um, that's what we need to be really mindful of. And, and I think people in general actually want to help because you're being open and honest about how you're feeling. What do we do if somebody does actually say, well, actually, I'm not feeling okay? Yeah, yeah, really great question. And, and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to actually cross that barrier to actually talk to somebody because we, we're not sure about what we should say and we don't necessarily know what the answer is. And, that, and we, that's that's not part of the criteria. The part of the criteria is that we just want to be ourselves and just offer support to somebody and just ask someone, you know, how are you going? Uh, have a conversation. There's, there's, no, there's no particular script or one way of doing this. It's really... You've got to do what comes naturally and, and just put yourself in the mindset that your sole goal is to actually help this person. It's not to be the answer. It's not to be the, uh, you know, know where to go or know what they have to do. It's just being an ear. It's just showing them that somebody actually cares. Um, there's some great resources out there to help you craft that conversation. Um, you know, Beyond Blue, for instance, has got great resources uh, they've actually got a, a specific um, section for coronavirus. So they call it the Coronavirus Mental Wellbeing Support Service. Mm-hmm. And they've got heaps of information there on around strategies, um, how, to, how to have conversations. It's got where to go get professional support, you know, whether that's um, suicide or depression, anxiety. They've got 24-7 trained counsellors on the, on the phone. Um, and it's also got financial well-being support as well, because I know that's a big worry for a lot of people at the moment. And a lot of this stuff is is backed by research as well. So they've got a lot of expertise in developing, you know, whether it's suicide or um, another, a mental health condition. You know, how do, how do I actually approach that conversation? And most of us aren't trained to do that. So, but again, it's just it's just about being thoughtful and genuine. Um, that's one of the key things they, they talk about and, and, what feels comfortable for you. And if it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't mean you give up and go, well, I tried and that's it. I mean, it it's, doesn't necessarily happen straight away. Um, but, but the most important thing is to, to let people know that they're, because you can feel quite alone and, and um, you know, not everybody has the support at home or they might live alone or um, you just don't know. So any, any support that they feel or, or that actually somebody cares about them, um, it can make a big difference. You've been listening to Gary Mills, speaker for Beyond Blue, who generously shared his experiences and insights into depression and anxiety. 
And if you feel that you're starting to get into trouble or that you need support, there's a lot of help out there. So I urge you to reach out. You can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or if it's an emergency, call triple zero. And links to the Beyond Blue website will be on our Subject ACT Facebook page. Or if you want to support a friend or loved one, Beyond Blue has a lot of resources on their website too, so it's well worth a look. You're listening to 2XXFM, people-powered radio. And this is Subject ACT with me, Heather Murray. Great to have you along. As mentioned at the top of the show tonight, I'm bringing you an encore interview with Francis Crimmins, CEO of the YWCA Canberra. They undertook a survey of over 1,000 Canberra women, including female identifying and non-binary people aged 18 years and over. The results of that survey provide insights into the daily lives and lived experience of women in this city. This interview was first broadcast in February 2020. Welcome, Francis. Thanks for having me on, Heather, to talk about this survey. Now, late last year, the YWCA released this survey called Our Lives, Women in the ACT, and that saw the participation of over 1,000 women in Canberra, letting you know their thoughts and feelings on a whole gamut of issues. How was this survey different from other surveys and what exactly did you find? So we really wanted to highlight what it is like for ACT women from 18, ages 18 and up to live in Canberra today. It was actually part of the YWCA's 90th year of service in Canberra to women and girls. So we wanted to capture what it's like living in Canberra today and the difference is, is we looked at what the data says, for example, the Bureau of Statistics tells us that Canberra women are the most highly educated, we earn the most money, we have, um, you know, if you just looked at the Bureau of Statistics data and other data like that, um, it does show that Canberra women lead fulfilling and dynamic lives. We wanted to drill down and actually see and hear from the voices of women in Canberra if that is their day-to-day experience. Mm-hmm. And so what the survey did tell us is that, yes, some women are definitely leading fulfilling and dynamic lives, but for others, um, things that came out, for example, the demands of unpaid work are completely overwhelming. Um, And these type of obligations are leaving them stressed and burnt out. So Mm. it really highlighted that for some people in our community and at times across women's lives, the questions we asked, um, that they don't feel like they're... um, getting ahead or enjoying life as they had hoped. Yeah. And the demands of unpaid work is unfortunately not new to the conversation, is it? I I seem to remember these things being spoken of quite loudly back in the 70s and 80s. Absolutely. And so what we found through the report is the same issues that women's advocates have been talking about for a long time uh, around the issues of not reaching gender equality yet. And, you know, one of the other... Um, astounding things that came out for us that discrimination against women was really common and what's really unacceptable was the amount of women in we had over um, about 1100 women report that domestic and interpersonal violence came through an unacceptable uh, number of women Mm. 
And really concerning that 77% of young women don't feel safe in public after dark in Canberra. No. And I guess feeling unsafe in public spaces after dark seems to be a perennial for many women. I, I know it's something that personally concerns me when I'm out after dark. Yes, yes. So, so really, as I said, the survey was um, we, we had every uh, suburb covered in the ACT. In every age demographic, we reached 150 or more respondents. So statistically, it really does give us a really great um, depth. We covered every demographic. Um, you know, we, we, we really made sure that we reached those people, um, you know, who access our emergency food hub, um, people participating in universities of third age. So we made sure we got, a, you know, a really good spread of women's views and what it's like for them to live in Canberra. Mm. And the Canberra of today seems to be quite a lot different to that of just 10 years ago. I could be dreaming of halcyon days, but I seem to remember that we had a lot more public and accessible housing with a lower cost of living and more secure workforce, for example. Absolutely. We asked women in the survey, if you had lived in ACT for 10 years or more, did you feel that it was um, easier or harder to get by in Canberra? The overwhelming majority said they felt that Canberra had become um, less affordable and in particular housing tenure and feeling that your housing, whether you were in mortgage, renting, was insecure. Mm. Um, that was, that was, I guess, one of the key findings is that most people were significantly concerned, even those in the 18 to 24-year-old bracket, about their financial security and about maintaining their housing Mm. Do you think the community and private sectors are having to change and adapt to present more creative solutions for women where once the government played a greater role? Yes, and this is why we really keep advocating why we really need to have a gender lens across all policy. And when you look at the issue of housing, for example, and I know you and I have spoken about this um, before, because of... Um, gender inequality for many older women now so you know possibly a lifetime of being a caregiver in and out of low paid work um, no superannuation when they are in the work when they were working um, we are seeing more and more older women basically retire into poverty which of course then impacts their ability to maintain a home as they as they enter retirement age now i can remember as a young person living in canberra when I was um, 19, many years ago, I actually had a choice of affordable rentals. I don't believe that's true today. And I think not just a young person trying to start, their, start a life of their own. Sadly, we're seeing increasing numbers of people retiring, unable to maintain a home in Canberra. Mm. And I guess that, that would uh, affect women who perhaps get divorced or widowed later on in life. Yes, absolutely. And that, that's what is compounding the issue. Um, yeah. And also family and domestic violence. A lot of the older women we are seeing have experienced um, interpersonal violence as well. And the other issue we really need to address as a community is elder abuse. Um, that has also come through in the survey that um, we think of um, domestic violence being about your partner, but actually um, children also um perpetrating violence and um, elder abuse is a real issue for, for women who've, um, who we, we serve but also came through in the survey. Mm. 
Francis, do you know if our policymakers are paying close attention to these findings? What sort of feedback have you had and what are you hoping for? So we um, we have released this survey and all the data. Um, we really want anybody who is designing um, policy and services in Canberra and the region to look at this data, particularly because of the diversity and the demographics of people who filled it in, to help inform, well, to be used in informing um, policy, whether it's around, um, you know, designing spaces, how we use transport, um, some of the issues, particularly for younger women, like everyday street harassment. Workplace sexual harassment came up as, again, an an issue for nearly all of the um, age brackets. Mm-hmm. where you see people like over 50% of women who have experienced in the last 12 months who responded said that they have been sexually harassed. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, Gosh. So, so <laughs> you kind of go, how, how much has changed? So we would really, um, uh, you know, we've shared this. This is now publicly available for anybody who's doing policy, anybody, even community services who are designing services. Um to use this information to inform how that they will take a gendered response to services and policy design. Mm. Francis, if you had to boil down all the hopes and fears and other findings in this report into one key message for policymakers, what would that message be? That while many women are leading fulfilling and dynamic lives, because of that it is overshadowing um, that many are not. And it's those people who are not that we need to make sure we hear their voice when we're thinking about, um, you know, making Canberra, if we truly want to make Canberra, um, you know, a livable city, and we've got social inclusion as one of our key values here in Canberra, that we have to make sure that we are reaching these people who otherwise don't have a voice. Mm. We did spend, we did put a whole section in our survey around leadership, and we actually did ask, do you feel you have a say in your community, in how your community, and and do you feel you participate? You're welcome to participate. Um, and for many people, they do not feel like they have a voice. Mm. And um, so, so this is what the message we would like to say is: don't just look at the raw data from the Bureau of Statistics. We've presented what Canberra women say it is um, like to live here and look at them together. And we're going to repeat this survey every two years. Okay. It's our commitment um, as, you know, as we come into our, you know, next 10 years up to our 100-year celebration um, so that we can really start then hopefully seeing if we're um, getting any tangible changes. Um, and for us, we'll pull out the, uh, the, the, the key findings and continue to do advocacy on those. Mm-hmm. And I guess... Uh the uh, role of data in advocacy is is really critically demonstrated by this survey. Absolutely. And, you know, we always ask, we've got to show the evidence. Sometimes when you do, you still don't get yeah. results. Um, but, yes, that, that we do need the data to inform um, advocacy and policy. Um, and, you know, for example, one of the key things, as I said, that came out was about young women um, experiencing you know, what some people would um, probably not think is a serious issue, like street harassment, um, workplace harassment. But what we saw in this survey is for 77% to say that they experience it um, within the last 12 months and it impacts on their well-being. Um, so, you know, we're going to be highlighting this as our International Women's Day event. We're going to be uh, recording young women's voices 
um, and showing a, a grassroots documentary um, because for us that was one of the, the, the standout findings of this. Yeah, oh, that's great. And if people would like to get a copy of the report, Our Lives, Women in the ACT, how can they find it? It's just go to our website. It's um, YWCA Canberra. It's really easy to find under advocacy um, and you can you can download it. It's um, all there, including all the data points. And if anybody would like to um, talk to us about specific demographics, they're welcome to contact us and our email address is on the um, website. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Francis, for making time to talk with us today. It's a fantastic survey report. And I yep. hope that not only the government, but lots of folk in the private sector and community sector can make use of the findings. Absolutely. And thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to share the findings. I've been talking with Francis Crimmins, CEO of the YWCA Canberra. I'm Heather Murray for Subject ACT. You're listening to 2XFM, People Powered Radio. 